the wind and waves still know his name. Amen? Well, that's actually uh, the passage that we're going to be studying today. How amazing. I love it. Um, I love it when it all comes together. Um, we're going to be in the, uh, in the book of Luke. We're going to be in the chapter of 8, if you brought your Bible, so you can go ahead and get uh, turned there. We'll, we'll have the scriptures on the, the back wall. As you're doing that, um, a couple of things that I do want to bring out. I know um, next Sunday we're going to have a very short, everybody say short, good, just making sure you're listening to me, a short meeting. <laughs> I'm not leading it, that's why it's short, um, <laughs> but we're having a short meeting for um, anyone who has children. Um, and has helped in the past with children and is willing to at least hear us out on children. Um, we are really, we, we have a great team that's um, volunteering right now, but we are looking for a few more, um, a few more people to help in a rotation so that no one is stuck with the kids every single week. We don't want that. So uh, it'll be a very short meeting. And basically what we're going to end up doing is finding out in what capacities you're willing to help. We're not only just looking for people who to help in the nursery. That is one, to help with possibly Sunday school if that's a, a need. And also with Children's Church. But also um, they have a very big schedule. So somebody may say I'm really good uh, administrationally and I'd love to give some hours to help um, with, with organizing some of that kind of stuff. So um, that's going to be next week right after church. Uh, today we're starting a new series and it's, it's entitled Tough Questions. Tough Questions. Throughout the Bible we see all of these, these different times where, where we see these different um, questions being asked. Jesus asked some really tough questions. People asked some really tough questions of Jesus. And as I was reading through the Gospels, I kept seeing these different questions in, in the Word being asked. And I just started writing them down. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, these are really neat passages. And so I was just like, well, so, you know, have you ever been at a point where you were really like, you were amazed at something that happened? Uh, God did something just absolutely amazing. And then all of a sudden, your, your mind was filled with all these questions about that amazing thing, right? Has, any, has that happened to anybody ever? Okay, so what about when the storm comes and uh, it looks like there's holes all in your boat and you're filling up and you're about to drown and you're in this crisis and difficult times, don't you have a bunch of questions then too? So what I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of go through some of these tough questions that were asked in the Bible and just see how they were, how they were answered naturally there or how Jesus answered or even how the disciples responded to those questions. So today we're going to answer or look at this tough question, who is this? Something that the disciples said in the boat when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves, they were amazed and they're like, who is this? So that's what we're going to look at today. So um, I hope that all of you, um, I know that we have a lot of people gone sick today, um, and I hope that you guys are feeling, are you guys feeling pretty good? Because here's the deal is, 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 is we got to get a little rowdy today, right? Okay, I mean, we're like going to be at God's word, and I expect some hooting and a hollering or something, you know? So, I mean, like, this is not going to be one of those Sundays where, like, oh, he's missing some folks, and you're going to have to make up for the noisy ones we're missing, you guys understand what I mean? I'm like, there's some loud, obnoxious ones not here. You're going to have to become the loud, obnoxious one that's missing. One of the loud, obnoxious ones just walked in the door. Hey, Tyler. So, um, 
All right, we're ready for him now. So, um, but what I'm wanting us, I mean, because here's the thing is, is man, there's, a, I was looking at this and I was like, man, there are some parts in this that I hope that we get pretty excited about. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at the passage, Luke chapter 8. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat, they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. <laughs> a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. This passage gives us the setting. Okay, this gives us the full setting of of this story. So Jesus, um, he's been ministering day and night. He's worn out. He says, "Let's get in a boat. Let's go to the other side." While they're traveling, he's tired. He's resting. I don't know about you, but every time um, I get into a vehicle uh, and sit down after you know just going and going and going, I fight sleep and sleep, even when I'm driving. I'm just kidding, not when I'm driving, not when I'm driving, but um, I want to sleep. And so if anybody else is driving, there's a couple times Alicia's, you know, she's got a permit. I'm like, you drive, and I'm just like. And I mean, that's kind of the same kind of story. You know, the disciples are driving this boat, and Jesus is out. She's driving the car, and I'm just like, you know what? If we're going to go home, I want to do it sleeping. You know, so so uh, either you take that however you want to, okay? So, um, but anyway, so they're crossing the lake. Jesus is asleep. Um, there's a dangerous storm that comes around. And I mean, here's the deal. When you start thinking about it, I mean, and I'm not talking about like, I don't believe they're in this, some little paddle boat. You know, there's 12 of them in Jesus, so there's 13 at least in this boat. And so I, I don't see it like a little tiny paddle boat and he's getting rained on like all the pictures say. I, I'm guessing it's probably big enough because I mean, this would be hard to, wouldn't you think it would be kind of hard to, to sleep um, being rained on and poured on and, and that. So, but here's the deal is, despite all the rocking and despite the storm itself, Jesus is sleeping. I mean, that, that's a pretty important note to take a hold of, right? I mean, Jesus in the middle of a storm, and it says that the storm is so bad that they're in danger. Something to keep in mind also is this. There are four experienced fishermen. Don't you think that those fishermen, they had their own boats. Do you not think that they've seen some pretty bad storms? Right? And if, and if, if four experienced fishermen think they're in danger, you're probably in danger, right? I mean, it's not a couple of city slickers that have never been on a boat. I mean, you're talking about four experienced fishermen in that boat. And if they're saying that we're going to die, we're probably going to die. We're going to get to that verse in a little bit. But I'm wanting you to understand that these disciples, four of them were experienced. They grew up on boats. They've been on boats. They, they've been in storms. But Jesus is still sleeping. They're in danger of losing their life. Here's Jesus. He's sleeping. You know, when you start thinking about Jesus' ministry, he's constantly surrounded by people. He's surrounded by crowds. He's constantly ministering to the crowds. And, 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 and he needs time alone. He needs to, 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 to get some R&R time. And what better than a boat? In Luke 5, 16, it says this, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus was often withdrawing from the crowds to get alone with God. That's a need in our life is sometimes, you know, I don't know about you, but life's a little busy. And, and I, I think that personally my life is busier than I want it to be. Any, does anybody out there that says, I wish my life was not as busy as what it is? And most of the parents are raising their hand, right? Like, you know, like, I mean, like, there's times I'm like, where are we going? Like, on, I, Mondays used to be a cool day. I can't stand Mondays. Mondays are my least favorite day. 
Because all the practices, all the coaches, no offense to Coach Wisdom, um, all the coaches, <laughs> so all the coaches have different times. So now I'm going there, I'm dropping kids off at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock and picking them up at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. And sometimes my mom, when I want to go out hunting, I say, hey, mom, you want to be a, an Uber today, please? Um, okay. A free taxi? <laughs> Very true. You get paid with love, mom. You're... You're paid with love. So, so, so the thing is, though, is that, you know, we get so busy, and there's times I'm like, man, I don't like how busy life is. And then we think, man, it's too busy. What, what do I need to do? I need to take a break. I need to find some rest. In the same way, Jesus modeled rest for us. Does any of you struggle with taking a rest? Any workaholics out there? Listen, I have a hard time finding rest and taking rest. Well, Jesus shows you right here and right now how important rest is. If Jesus took rest, what makes you think you don't need to? In fact, one of the things that I found with the human body, and probably you've already figured this out by now, is that with our human body, if you don't take rest, your body will end up giving you some rest. You'll get sick. You'll be down. If you don't learn how to take care of your body, your body will shut down and say, we're going to take a rest anyways. Probably some of you are like, yeah, he's not wrong. So they're in this boat, Jesus is getting some rest, and the storm turns quickly. I don't know if you've ever found that sometimes when you're on vacation, <laughs> everything turns on you pretty quick. You're like, hey, this is great, and then all of a sudden it's not so great. Um, but for the disciples, this relaxing boat trip across the, 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 the sea was what quickly turned danger, panic set in. Okay, The disciples are in full-on panic mode. They're in danger, as the Bible says. Jesus is still resting peacefully. He demonstrates an ability to rest in the middle of a storm. How do you imagine that Jesus was able to rest in the middle of a storm? See, one of the things that I hope that we, we need to set the pace for really, I'm really going to be talking about faith over fear here in a little while but if we don't understand this first part, we're not going to understand that to its fullest. You find rest when you really trust in God. Jesus was able to find a rest because He truly, 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 truly trusted in His Father. And when you trust in God, when you really, you, you trust, you're able to trust in God when you really know who He is. See, this is a story today about who is God. Because that's the question we're trying to answer. Who is this? And Jesus gives the answer. Rest. I don't know if it worked. Yes. Okay. This thing up here just says pro presenter, so I'm just guessing at this point. So, <clears throat> um, rest is a weapon that's given to us by God. The enemy hates it. The enemy hates when you take rest. He hates when you find peace. He, he hates when you're re recuperated, rejuvenated, he, all, those, all, the, all the words that start with R. You know, he, he hates when, when, you're, when you're being rejuvenated. He hates that. So he wants you to be stressed. He wants you to be preoccupied. So here's what I love. Rest, I found this quote online. Rest testifies. It's just really cool. Rest testifies to this self-reliant world that work does not define me. 
Some of us in this room needed to hear that. Your work does not define you. If it does, you're being defined by the wrong thing. Your work doesn't define you, and guess what? Your work doesn't save you. When we're able to rest from that work, then we're telling the world, that work doesn't own me. It's just a part of what I do. It's just a piece of that pie. And I can find rest in the fact that God is in control, which means I can face things that are out of my control and not act out of control. So um, this thing says help now, which is where I think I am. So whoever's running the back, is somebody in the back? I can't see any heads. Do I have anybody back there? Somebody's going to have to run slides. We've been having all, yeah, they're sleeping. They're resting. It's okay. They're resting. Full of rest. Somebody's going to have to run the words for me. All right. So the, the next passage that we're going to look at as we go th- further into this, <laughs> it literally says help. <laughs> That's technology for you. Help. All right. So Luke chapter 8, verses 24. We're going to look at the next two verses. Now check this out. It says the disciples went and woke him up. So Jesus is sleeping. They're in danger. They're in a bad storm. They're in this boat. The disciples then went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Okay? We're going to drown. So this is not like, hey, we might, this is, this is what's going to happen. We are going to drown. Do you, see the, do you see the statement? You see how, making sure. Okay, so yes, we're going to drown, right? This isn't like, hey, this is a bad situation. Things don't look good. This is we are going to drown. The, the disciples fully believe they're going to die. You guys following this, right? We're, don't you, master, master, don't you care? We're going to drown. He, he got up and he rebuked the wind. Take note that he rebuked the wind, not the disciples. He rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Then he asks them, where is your faith? Okay. In fear and amazement, so the disciples probably missed the question altogether, but they're in fear and amazement. They ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Wow. So as we look at the first tough question here, where is your faith? This is the first thing that Jesus, he, after he rebukes the water, he gets up. They're all, we're going to die, panic mode. Has anybody ever been in panic mode in your life? Maybe you've been in some points in your life where your marriage is in panic mode. Anybody have sometimes a marriage like, hey, my marriage is in panic mode. Um, and then my, maybe you're in a place where you're like, hey, my, my grades, where's my girls at? My grades are in panic mode. Yeah, right, right, okay, yeah, all right. So, <laughs> so we, we get into these places in our life where, where things are not going right. There's a storm in our life and we find ourselves in panic mode. And so they're in panic mode and Jesus gets up, he rebukes the storm, and then he looks at his disciples and he just asks them a simple question, where is your faith? Now I want you guys to hear me, he's not saying that they don't have any faith. Don't ever for one moment think that Jesus is insinuating that they didn't have any faith. Because I want you to understand, these disciples had a great deal of faith. Guess what? They left their families and their jobs, their careers, the comfort of their home to follow Jesus in a homeless lifestyle to preach the Word of God. So they had faith. And I think a lot of times what we do is we think, oh, you either have it or you don't. No, it's, faith is a, little, is a little bit more fluid than that. It's not like, oh, I've got it or I don't. What a lot of times happens is this. He's asking, where did your faith go? You have it, where is it? Where is the thing that you have? Why is your your faith hiding 
Where is it at? We need it now. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you needed to be able to stand on faith, but you were living in fear instead? Anybody there? You see what I'm talking about is what's happening is he's not saying, hey, you don't have any faith. He's saying is, listen, this is the moment you need faith. This is the moment you need to stand on it. Where is it? See, there's times in our marriage when we need to stand in faith. There's times in our homes and in our our financial situations, in our careers, our jobs. Sometimes there's times, it's like, where's your faith? You need to stand on it. The disciples were not standing in fear. They were panicking in fear. They weren't standing in faith. Did I say faith or fear? Fear. They weren't standing in faith, all right? They were panicking in fear. I get talking really fast and then I get tongue-tied there. So... So I want you to understand, he's not saying that they don't have any. Their their faith gave them such courage and strength that they left so many things. They sacrificed so many things to follow Jesus. And and get this, that there was so many times in their following Jesus that they had opportunities that they could have quit at any time. There was other disciples who did. Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, there were so many disciples that said many of his disciples deserted him. The 12 didn't, but many did. These guys were following Jesus through thick and thin. They were still following him into the storm, but they were panicking that they were going to die in this storm. So this next slide, I want you to see this. I want want to teach you a couple of things about, about faith and fear. Truth is, the disciples, they have a great faith. They just didn't have it in that moment. So what happened to their faith? I want you to know fear happened. What happened to their faith? So a lot of times in your life, fear is what happens. So look at this. I'm hoping. No, next slide. Um, The presence of fear doesn't mean that you have no faith. Listen to me. The presence of fear doesn't mean you don't have any faith. Because fear visits everyone. So if you say that you're never afraid, that you never have any fear show up, you're a liar. Just, Just throwing that out there, okay? Fear visits everyone. We need to make fear a visitor and not a resident. You following me? Fear is going to show up. It's what you do in that moment. And and I want you to, so courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that the thing we believe in is more important than the thing we fear. Did you guys catch that? Courage is not the absence of fear, right? But it's believing in the thing it's having more, like I, I'm believing in Jesus more than I'm fearing the storm. Does that make sense? Fear is, is believing in the, the power of, of Jesus more than the power of the storm. Fear is believing in the power of the storm more than Jesus. And, and let me show you this next slide. It says this. I, I want you to hear me, and if you write something down, write this down. We must fear the one the storm fears. Remember that song we were just singing and how it was talking about how, how the wind and waves still know his name? Guys, this is the Jesus we're singing to today. This is the Jesus we're worshiping to today. This is the same Jesus that we're following today. So when you start thinking about all of this, we must fear the one the storm fears. Instead of fearing the storm whom the one doesn't fear. See, can anyone or anything 
match the power of the one true Savior, Jesus Christ. So when he asks the disciples this, they just haven't fully grasped who he is. That's why they're asking the question, who is this? They still haven't fully figured it out. I'm going to get a little bit further into that. I don't want to. So why are they struggling? Why are they so amazed? That was one of the questions that I asked myself. Why are they so amazed? Why are they so amazed at this? Because think about all the things. I'm going to, and Luke, we're in Luke chapter 8. I'm just going to walk through some of the things that they've seen up to Luke chapter 8 so that we're not, you know, uh, so nobody can say, well, you use the Matthews version instead. Luke chapter 5 verse 12, they saw a leper healed. Right? So they've seen somebody who had leprosy. Jesus touched them, pray over them, and they're healed. And they're now no leprosy. They saw in Matthew 5, 16, somebody who couldn't walk, paralytic, get up and walk. They saw that. They saw, they saw in Luke chapter 6, verse 6, somebody who had a withered hand that it was completely restored to use. In Luke 7, 11... They saw a dead boy raised from the dead. He was dead, and now he's alive. They saw death. They saw a real life resurrection. The disciples have seen all of this. In fact, in Luke chapter 7, um, John the Baptist was like, hey, Jesus, not to be offensive or anything, are you the one we're waiting on? And Jesus then sends, uh, and he says, I want you to report. I want you to report. Go back and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, go tell them that. Go tell them that. You go tell them that the blind are seeing. You tell them that the lame are walking. See, the disciples saw this, but they lost, they, 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 they didn't lose it, but they, they, they allowed fear to run their life when they're in the middle of the storm. You see, it's really easy in a worship service to have faith, isn't it? Come on, isn't it easy here when we're, no matter what's going on in your life, you show up to church, you're like, woo, I'm ready to go. Let's get our praise on. Let's get, you know, because we, we, we together are finding strength. We together are walking in the spirit. So when we're here, there's power in worship. There is. And it's easy to have faith here, but what happens when we walk and we drive back, we don't walk, when we go back home and you pull into the drive and you walk back into the same storm you left, right? Then all of a sudden, that fear starts speaking and my faith starts wavering. You see, they, they saw all these things. You see, Why are they so amazed at this miracle? We are so easily, it's so much easier for you to accept, you and me, to accept healing miracles than natural phenomenons. Now hear me on this. And I don't remember, I don't have slides marked here, so I don't know if, the, if I'm getting there. If you hear something that I say on a slide, just hit it real fast. Um, but you guys know it's easier to explain and rationalize healing than it is calming a storm, right? It's easier, because here's the thing, is, is medically, there's so many things that we can't explain, and medically, um, a lot of times, you know, like atheists, somebody who does not believe in God at all, the, they can, your bodies self-heal all the time, right? 
They don't have to believe in God, and there's times they get better. There's times that you can take medicine and get better. There's times that you just have uh, really good positive thinking, and you get better. In fact, um, there's a gentleman, I think it was Vincent Norman Peel or Norman Vincent Peel, Norman Vincent Peel, I think, wrote Power of Positive Thinking. And this is a very old book, but one of the studies that he did in this, he was a Christian, but he wasn't even doing this necessarily from a Christian perspective. He was just saying, here's a study. People who believed they were going to live, lived longer even if they had a death sentence. People who believed they were going to get better lived longer than those who thought they were going to die. You take two people with the same diagnosis, cancer, cancer, same exact cancer, same exact stage. You both have six months to live. One says, no, I'm not dying in six months. And the other one's like, well, I'm going to die in six months. One lives longer than the other. Why? And a lot of it, so he, what he was saying is, hey, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of this. So what happens is our minds and our bodies and things, and have you ever seen somebody do something physically that they shouldn't have done? We, 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 anytime you coach a kid in any kind of athletic, you tell them all the time, it's 60% mental. You can do more than what you think. You can run longer than you think you can run. You can run faster than you think you can run because it's all mental. There's so many things that you can do beyond what you think you can do. So what happens is that we use all of these other things to try to rationalize God. Jesus doesn't want to be rationalized. That's part of the point of this entire miracle is like you guys can rationalize all you want healings and you can, you can talk yourself up on this and this and this, but here's the reality and here's what happens. People would prefer to believe that Jesus calmed the disciples rather than calming the sea. That's the world that we would, it's easier for us to understand that. Yeah, he calmed them and the storm still raged on. Hey guys, let's just hold still. We're going to get through this. And if we don't, we won't make the Bible story. But if we make it through it, we'll make the Bible story. You know, I mean, it's not like that. So Jesus calmed the storm. He didn't calm the disciples. So in Luke chapter 8, I know that this is a a, a double slide. I I already read this, but we're going to look at the next question. And they came to him and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased. There uh, was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? That's the question we just looked at. And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. This question is, who is this? Who is this? Who is the, this, 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 this person who can command this? They're, they're so amazed that when Jesus rebuked the wind, it just stopped. The waves just stopped. They're in a storm. We're going to die. We're not getting out of this. And Jesus just said, stop. And it stopped. We already know that they've seen so many things leading up to this point. So here's the thing I want you to see. Um, and I know this is a slide. Faith and fear both demand something of you. Faith and fear both demand something. They both demand you to believe something that you can't see. Faith and fear both demand you to believe something you can't see. The disciples believed they were going to drown. Have they drowned yet? No, but fear was saying you're going to drown. Faith says, no, you're not. You have Jesus. Right? So one's saying, hey, trust in the one who got you here. And the other one's saying, you're going to die. So they had to, they had to believe in something. See, fear and faith are both going to demand you to believe in them. Now, how many times can you look back on your life when you have feared something and start going, well, I had to believe fear over my faith. Right? Every time you allowed fear to win the battle, you believed it over your faith. Did you not? Did you not? Right? 
I only see a couple of you agreeing with me. Is that not, am I, am I off? No, we're on, right? This is the truth, right? If I'm, if I'm going to, to fall back in fear, if I'm going to stop in fear, if God says, I want you to go share your faith with somebody, and I stop in fear, fear got me to believe it over my faith. Anytime fear wins and you listen to it, you believed it over what you say you believe about God. That's hard, right? That's a hard one. But if we don't, if we don't get that understanding in our life right now, we're going to continue to make the same mistake. They both demand you to believe in them. Don't make any bones about it. Faith is demanding you to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus. Yeah, I'm not hiding that at all. Fear is asking you and demanding you to believe in it too, over Jesus. The only difference is that fear is faith in reverse. Right? They're the same thing. It's just fear is the opposite of what your faith is. It's just, it's just they just put it in reverse, backing up. These men had been experiencing the same. Think about this. All the way up to this point, they've been experiencing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, right? On a daily basis, they're seeing Jesus do the impossible, right? All the way up to this point, he's been doing the impossible without realizing who he truly, really was. They're asking this question, who is this? Shouldn't you know? Right? I mean, wouldn't you think by now you know, you know, how many times have you asked them, Jesus, who, who do people say I am? Well, some say you're a prophet. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah, you know, and he's like, who do you say I am? So I'm asking you, who do you say Jesus is? Who is he? You see, the, the thing is, is they're looking at this situation like, who is this? They were not expecting him to stand up in the boat and tell the waves to shut up and sit down. They weren't ready for it. See, the crisis brought fear. When you believe in fear, it takes you back to the old ways of coping. Right? I mean... Anybody who's been in Celebrate Recovery at any point, and by the way, it starts up a whole new series starting this coming Thursday, Lesson 1. Lesson 1, Thursday. And so when we find ourselves going back on our faith and, going and slipping back and living in this fear, fear gets you to go back to the old ways, the old ways of coping, the old days of reacting, the old ways of thinking, and the old ways of feeling. Have you ever noticed that? Fear brought you right back to the stuff that you wanted to get freedom from. And I love this. I want you to take note. Jesus didn't, he didn't speak to the disciples. He spoke to the waves. Remember the song, the wind and waves, they know his name, right? See, this miracle was not about the disciples. You hear me? This miracle is not about the disciples. It's not about their lacking faith. If the disciples could ever figure out who he truly was and is, it changes everything, doesn't it? 
do you understand that the disciples truly struggled figuring out who he was, right? See, this isn't about their lack of faith. This is about Jesus showing who he is. You guys hear me, right? This miracle here, it was not about, well, I'm going to show you. This is about, I want you to see who I am. The disciples struggled all the way through. Think about this. They didn't believe, they didn't even believe in the resurrection even after they were told that the tomb was empty. Did Did the disciples first believe the first moment, like, hey, the tomb's empty? No, they didn't believe because what did they do? They had to run and go what? They had to go see, right? Then Thomas, when all the other disciples said, yes, we've seen Jesus, what he says, I won't believe until I can put my hand in his hands and in his side. You see, the disciples were constantly struggling. They got the prophet part. Okay, he's a prophet. He has some powers. He can, he can heal people. He has control over leprosy. He can drive out demons. Okay, we see this. But they were blown away when, he, when the wind and the waves obeyed him because they haven't fully understood who he is. But we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. We're all struggling with that same tough question, who is this? Francis Chan wrote a a book called Crazy Love, and he uses this great illustration. He says, for a moment, let's let's just say that all the oceans are the love of God. That's, that's the one attribute of God, the love of God, okay? So your understanding of this ocean is whatever you can fit in a can, a 12-ounce soda can. That's what I understand about God's love that much. I'm hoping to get to a 20-ounce bottle, and maybe by the time I die, I can get a one-liter bottle full of this love to understand what it is, okay? I want to take this a little bit further. I want you to think about this. When you're sitting on the beach, what you understand about the ocean is what you can see, right? I can, it's beautiful. It's amazing. I'm experiencing it. The waves are coming over my feet. This is so cool. It is huge. But you don't know how big it is. So then you get into a blimp and you get up way up high. And now you can really see how big the ocean is. But guess what? I still can't pa- see past the horizon. So I get into a rocket ship and I go up to space and I look down and I see all of the oceans. But guess what? I don't see them all. I only see half of them because I can't see what's on the other half. I'm wanting you to understand something. God is incomprehensible. You will never fully comprehend all that God is because He is infinite and I am finite. I am temporary. I am not eternal. He's eternal. Guys, here's the thing is if we're just talking about love, that's exactly how that is. I can't fully even understand his love. That's just one attribute of God. What about his holiness? What about his righteousness? What about his grace? What about his mercy? What about his judgment? When you start thinking about God, he is so much more my little brain can't handle it. You will never fully comprehend God. That's so amazing. He is something that you will never fully grasp. So you can study every moment of every day the rest of your lives and you won't fully understand the fullness of God. Woo! Right? Because he's beyond anything that I can fully grasp. And the disciples are starting to see it with their own eyes. Who is this? Man, the wind listens to him. The waves just stopped. 
We were going to die and it just stopped. (laughs) So, why was this such a struggle for them, right? I want you to think about it. The disciples were very, they didn't have, you know, TV. Like a lot of times people now today, we don't, we don't read our Bibles as much as we ought to, and we don't study it. Else. We have so many things that distract us. But think about this. They didn't have TV. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have, you know, the, all the things that, that take our time, right? All the things that take our time. They didn't have this. And guess what they did have? They were very schooled in the God of the Old Testament, Right? There was such a, I, I, I'm like, why, is there, why are they struggling so much? This is the same God of the Old Testament, right? It's the same God. Listen to this. It's the same God that split the Red Sea, right? It's the same God who split the Red Sea. Don't go very far, Cheyenne, because uh, in about like five, less than five, two maybe. It's the same God who split the Red Sea, Right? where it talked about how it split on both sides, the the waves were standing on both sides, they're walking on dry ground. It's the same God who, who brought water out of a rock in the middle of a desert. It's the same God who had the first taxi with a whale, swallowed up Jonah, and took Jonah all the way where he was going. It was an uber whale. It was an uber big whale, and it took him. I mean, this is the same God. You start looking at that story like, that is impossible. It's the God of impossible. When will we get that in our little finite minds, right? When we start realizing who God really is. Who is this? It's the King of kings. It's the Lord of lords. It's the great I am. It's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the great creator. It's the same God who brought fire out of heaven in front of all the prophets of Baal and completely consumed the offering before them all. So I want to ask you a tough question today. If, I know that this is a yes for me, but if the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, how many of you would say absolutely amen that's true? The God of the Old Testament, is it the same God of the New Testament? Okay, only some of you are convinced. I hope that uh, we find Jesus today. Okay, so if it's the same God of the Old Testament, is the same God of the New Testament, and we're living in the New Testament times because we're in the New Covenant, amen? Okay, then why are we so surprised when the same God shows up and shows out in our lives? Why are we so surprised? Why are we so surprised? Now, I don't want us to lose that excitement of like, oh, God did it again. I don't want us ever to lose that childlike faith. But sometimes we're like, I didn't think he could do that. I mean, that's kind of sometimes how we behave, isn't it? Sometimes we just kind of act like, I didn't know that he could do that. I didn't know that he could talk to the wind and the waves. When I think about faith, I think about this one question that says, do I really believe what I say I believe is really real? I think it's one of the best questions ever asked in the world. 
do you really believe what you say you believe is really real? Because if you do, it changes everything. You see, your God, Jesus, right? Jesus. Your God is the same God who healed the leper. Your God is the same God who raised Lazarus from the dead. Your God is the same God who rebuked the demon legion and drove him out. Your God is the same God who conquered sin on a cross, granting salvation to all of us. Your God is the same God who redeemed you through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And your God is the same God who conquered death in the grave granting resurrection to all. That's the same God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I want you to think about this. We look at these stories and we read these stories as if they're fictional. They're not fictional. They're non-fiction. It's the truth. It's real. Jesus really did this. These are witnesses. These are people who testified of it. It's the same God. The one that we're singing to today, the one we're praying to today, is the same God who created the universe. It's the same God who rose from the dead. It's the same God. When we start realizing that and we start believing it, tell me how fear will have a hold on you if you really believe it. If you believe what you say you believe is really real, you tell me how fear can win. How? How does fear win when you really believe? Right? So what I want us to do during our invitational time is this. Some of us have believed fear over faith. Haven't we? So what I want you to do, I just want to challenge you. You do whatever you feel led to do. You need to make up your own mind and your own decisions here. But I want to challenge you as your pastor. I want you to drop your fears off today. I want you to take the fear, whatever it is, fear of rejection, fear of inadequacy, fear that I'm not good enough, whatever fear you're still allowing to have control over you, whatever fear keeps, keeps making you believe it, I want you to take that fear and I want you to bring it up here and I want you to drop it off. Say, God, I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of fear running my marriage. I'm tired of fear running my home. God, I'm tired of this, this fear. This fear today is no longer going to have a hold on me. See, guys, what, what, what this time of prayer is for is it's for you to make some decisions in life. It's time for us to take back our life. There's times in our life where we say, you know what? I'm done with you, fear, and I'm dropping you off, and I'm not picking you up. I'm not taking you home. And some of us need today to start realizing who God really is. Because when you really realize and come to an understanding of who He is, it's going to change everything. 
When you realize that it's the same God who calmed the storm, it's the same God who raised Lazarus from the grave, it's the same God who conquered death and hell on the cross. When you realize it's the same God that we're worshiping here today, it changes everything, everything. We can then begin to live our life in faith and not in fear. No more fear. It doesn't get to stay. When fear comes in and shows up, because we know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to show up, it doesn't have a hold on me. Because my faith, I believe more in Jesus than I believe in the, the, the fear that's coming at me. I put my faith in the one who the, the storm fears. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's some fear that you've been allowing to run rampant in your life, today, you drop it off. If today is that day that you, you begin to realize who God really is, maybe, maybe you just got a little bit bigger view of the ocean today of who God really is. Maybe you're just going to give Him a, a bigger place in your life. It's a constant, continuous struggle in our lives, just giving and giving and giving pieces of our life to God. But whatever you need to do today, do it. If there's sin in your life that needs to be dropped off, you drop it off. If there's fear you're dealing with, let it go. Reject it, cast it, renounce it. Maybe today is the day that you need to give your life to Jesus. Make sure that you do it.